back once again with the podcast. Well, I was going to break uh, break into a rap then. I was like, back once again with the podcast, podcast master. No, podcast. Not even yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. I thought you were going to go with it then. I was yeah. quite excited. Yeah, I ruined it. Should I, try I actually it? stood up at this moment in time and I was going to start breaking into a dance and everything, but it's all good. Should we try again? No, no, no. Let's just crack on. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. Okay. It sounds like an earthquake on the podcast, but let's go for it. Let's go for it then. <laughs> And on today's podcast, we have Big Hass. Boo, boo, boo. What's up? What's up? What's up? Do you want right. me to do the Renegade Master bit now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll wait for you to jump in. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> I was so tempted. I was so tempted. <laughs> You'd seen the body language. You'd have seen it. I was ready to spit the lyrics. <laughs> Get on it. Go for it. Take it away. It's a shame. Well, f- thanks for joining us on today's podcast, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on. And when, you. when Dan messaged me saying, oh, I've got big Hass coming, I was like, awesome. I've seen some really cool videos on Jamie Oliver's channel with you in it, and I've loved some of your stuff on your feed. So I'm like, yes, about time we spoke to him. Thanks, man. So do you want to just start off by just introducing yourself to anyone who doesn't know who um, we're talking about? Yeah, so I'm I'm Hassan. AKA Big Hass, um, Jamie Oliver, fifteen graduate from about nine years ago now, um, and I'm quite currently in quarantine, doing absolutely nothing except for cooking delicious food and posting pictures on Instagram. Perfect. Sounds like the whole world at the moment. <laughs> yeah, everyone's making everyone's making banana bread, isn't it? Yeah, or sourdough. Making, oh, sourdough. <laughs> I failed at that. I tried, but I failed. So anyway, I'm not going to get into that too much. That's but, it. Let's talk enough, about yeah. that then, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you can't jump on the one thing I've ever failed at. Yeah, I love to but... hear about Dan's failures. So Dan, tell us more about your failed bread. <laughs> well, I just basically couldn't get any flour to feed my sourdough, so I just died. And that was that. End of story. Yeah. Cooked one nice loaf, and that was that. Quite a sad story, that one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah you know. That's, yeah, that's let's let's try and lighten the mood. I don't want to talk about death. <laughs> yeah. Our morbid back- lives at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get let's get back to yeah. our guest. I mean, yeah. I've been a long time stalker on, on Instagram and just uh, loving everything you do, really. And uh, I actually think, like, when I first started following you, it was like mostly sort of pasta bits. It was like, is that, are you working in an Italian restaurant? Is that correct? Yeah, I was uh, head chef at Palatino in Old Street. Ah, okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, well that's like mostly where I remember sort of things going and then obviously you have a long long-term history of uh barbecue sunday which yes we'll, we'll delve into a bit more mm-hmm. and then uh so that's sort of like sort of crossed two two paths for me and i've just been a yeah, long time sort of a stalker on instagram and it's great to have you on thanks man yes yeah, so let's and, uh, rewind re- it back yeah, on. i just wanted go to go on. back to this back to the like rewind to jamie oliver 15 part because mm-hmm. uh 15 in Cornwall was my like favourite restaurant I ever went to, and I yeah. was absolutely gutted when it closed. And I just thought I'd love to hear more about the kind of your story and your journey into that fifteen program with Jamie Oliver. I mean, I mean talking about fifteen Cornwall to start, Andy Appleton, yeah. um, absolute bad boy pasta chef. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah um, killer. The, yeah. the menus that he wrote and he, his Instagram feeds—it's just genius, man. He makes it look so simple. Um, but my I don't know, with my whole 15 thing, I, I was a security guard and I'm a fully qualified plumber um, before all this chefing stuff kicked off. And it just, one day I sat, um, 
at the computer with my mum and I was like, where the fuck's my life going? What am I going to do? And mum was like, you're always secretly watching cooking shows. Like I grew up watching Warrell Thompson and Ainsley Harriet running home. Like everyone else was going to watch, <laughs> everyone else was going to watch Hey Arnold and I'd go home to watch Really Steady Cook. Um, obviously grew up watching Jamie Oliver and that. And mum was like, listen, Jamie's taking kids on that have had a bad run at school, don't really have any educations or a purpose or a, like a direction in life. And I was just like, fuck it, man. What can we, how, how bad can it be? Um, it was a, a, a free part, <laughs> free part interview managed yeah. to get myself in. And, and it was probably to date the best year of my life, man. Like it changed my life completely. Um, and there was just so many like interesting people and people that, that genuinely cared about you progressing. Like I, I went to school in North London um, and I was told a lot of the time you're going to end up as a nothing, but to, from, to then go from that to people being like, you can do this, you're talented, we can make this happen for you. And there was this belief that everyone could succeed no matter what you've been through in life or what walk of life you'd come from. And it was the first time that I ever said to myself, right, we're going to finish with a distinction we're not going to get into any drama or fights like you did at school. And we're just going <laughs> to smash it out and learn a new technique and keep it going. And I just, awesome. it was the, one, the one thing that I've, I, I set, I set my mind to and I was like, fuck it, let's do this. Um, no, sick. It, it paid off, man. It paid off big time. Yeah. Well, compare that to Ben, who sort of grew up having everything and can't even cook still today. <laughs> <laughs> All the fancy uh, gadgets and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's all he's interested in. I mean, ben, without that, it means nothing. Ben, have you got an Argo? Uh, I had a Rayburn. I don't even know what that is, mate. <laughs> it's, the, it's the posher version. <laughs> no, it's not. It's the poor man's version. <laughs> We had Chinese burns at school, man, and shit gas. <laughs> <laughs> Cook over a Bunsen burner, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, science and Bunsen burners, absolute madness. Yeah. <laughs> That's just probably where I just first paper. discovered my love for fire and food. <laughs> you know what? I, like, it, it sounds funny. My mum was like, you've always been obsessed with fire. Like, I'd often yeah. just light a box of matches and watch it burn. And I know a lot of people that do that turn up to be like serial killers and <laughs> have... It's still time, like, Hass. Yeah, yeah, arson is go <laughs> set places on fire and stuff. Mum was like, you're always hands-on. I was always with my dad in the garden trying to learn how to build fires and stuff. Yeah, but Burn guess... food, not houses. Yeah, exactly. Burn food. Well, here's, here's one for you. So, so my dad, my... Me, I'm jumping completely way off here where we were, but to do with fire and what you were just saying there is, is that like, my dad is from Iran and yeah. literally whenever there's an opportunity to build a fire... My dad is building a fire and we are around the fire and we were outside around the fire cooking, cooking over the fire. And that's where I think my sort of love for this out sort of like fire cooking and stuff always came from. But it's exactly yeah. the same with me. Yeah. Exactly the same. I think my earliest memories of my dad would be on a Sunday in the in the garden lighting fires, cooking me turkey dinosaurs on the barbecue. Like, <laughs> back, back, back before I knew what, what delicious food was, my dad would grill turkey dinosaurs for us as kids just to have his little Sunday <laughs> opportunity to spend on his own. And like, yeah. whole, but I, I've, I've taken that on. Like, I, I've just come back from Sri Lanka. I managed to go just before all of this lockdown stuff happened with my girlfriend. Um, and we were on the beach and this guy was like, oh, I'll cook you a lobster on the, on, over charcoal. And he struggled to light these coconuts. And instantly I was like, give me the, give me the petrol and give me the lighter. 
and 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 let me do it. And I, I just I, I I don't know what it is about building a fire yourself, but it's the first step of making something delicious. It's the first step of producing something that you want to make. And I think in order to to make something that great, you have to be involved in every step. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't know, man. Like, death to all gas barbecues. I'll say that now, and I'll say it proud. Um, <laughs> gas barbecues fucking annoy me, bro. <laughs> they annoy me so much, man. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's fine. I'm going to go out there as well. I'm with you on that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I haven't gone quiet because I like them. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't have I don't have one. I was I was gonna say my line that I say, but I don't know if I want to say it on the on hey, the podcast. Hey, so I'll, uh, hey. I'll have to cut it out if I don't like it. I say it, but um. I want to know what it is. <laughs> yeah, you might, you might have to cut that out. <laughs> 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 oh, you know. Anyway, uh, so we cut that bit out, everyone. So now we're back in the game. Has tell us some, some more about fifteen. <laughs> what do you want to know? Um, I guess so. Where where did it go from there? Like you said, it's like the most incredible year of your life, and it changed everything for you. Like, what was your next step? What did it like help you to? Did, did it like propel you into this like, world of food? I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, fifteen was great, right? But when so you 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 work for I think the co- the course is thirteen months and by the twelfth month you're supposed to be able to run a section on your own so essentially you've gone from apprentice to commie chef to chef to party um, so you should be able to run a section and keep everything in check and do your meats and whatever um, but but I think I was quite naive to the fact that although I was a CDP at fifteen and not working in any other restaurants you don't know how the the hierarchy and the ranking systems work within kitchens. So when I left 15, I was looking for chef to party jobs. And the yeah. first job, the first job that I'd got, um, it took me quite a while. Actually, I think, I think I was the last one out of my group to get a job. And I, I went to Jamie's to cook on one of his photo shoots. And I was like, Jamie, I need a job. I, I had a trial at, um, Nopi that was at a restaurant. I was really excited. Yeah, yeah. And they told me I was underqualified and I was like, okay, fair play. I keep doing trials and keep putting putting the feelers out and see what, what's going on. And I went to Jamie's and spoke to Jamie and Jamie was just like, I can get you a job right now. I make one phone call. Do you want to do pasta? And I, I was just like, yeah, why the fuck not? So when, when I was at 15, um, we did six months of pasta and then there was this massive refurb and it went from Italian food to great British modern contemporary. So um, they brought in uh, Robin Holm and, Oh, I can't remember his name. Um, so we'll cut this bit too. <laughs> Fucking hell, what is his name? Oh, you have to make me do loads of editing this time. What is his name? Mm. Fuck. Oh, whatever, man. Let's go again. <laughs> Ask me the same question. <laughs> Just carry on, it's fine. Um... <laughs> So they went from modern British with Robin yeah, Holm yeah. and the head chef of one of the famous pubs out there now, um, whose name is... It's going to fucking drive me mad. <laughs> it's going to drive me up the fucking wall. And he hated me and I hated him too. That's probably why you've blocked him out. Uh, anyway, so 15 was half Italian 
and then went yeah. to Great British food. So I, all the people before us, so I was cohort 13. So the 12 groups before me had all been trained in making perfect pasta and perfect risotto and like caponatas and fucking panna cottas and stuff. So I, I got to see a whole new cuisine and we had to take it in very quickly for six months. Um, and I, I kind of found out there and then that tweezers and I don't want to say fancy pantsy food because it wasn't that fancy pantsy, but there was like so many processes to get a starter out. There's so many different yeah. elements. And I was just like, this food's delicious. Don't get me wrong. It's outstanding and I'd love to eat here. But I feel that there's more to food than that. So I spoke to, when I spoke to Jamie and he was like, we can do Italian and I'll get you into Theo Randall's. He made a phone call. The next day I was at the Intercontinental in Hyde Park, um, did my trial. They were like, yeah, great, cool. Um, and then I start, Then I found out there and then that hotels are absolute dog shit. And there's, <laughs> there's, so, there's so many rules. There's like, I had to be clean shaven every day. I had to hide my tattoos. I had to go out and buy long sleeve chef jackets. Yeah. I, had to wear, I had to wear a hat. I had to be polite. I wasn't allowed to talk to, to people that were in the hotel. It was like strictly you're in the kitchen, you're back of house, look at the mm. floor and don't talk to anyone. And there was, as I said, that there was that naivety about being a chef to party and going somewhere else and being a chef to party. So when I got to Fia Randall's, it was your bottom of the food chain again. And they started me off as an apprentice. And for six months at Fia Randall's, I baked four focaccia a day and rubbed tomatoes on bruschetta until my, until the acidity broke down my hands, bro. Like until, <laughs> until I, until I got fucking dermatitis. Yeah. And, <laughs> So I'm there, I'm there for six months and I'm like, this is going mad. And and what topped it off for me when when I realized that this is gonna be a long it's gonna be a long road. Like when people say it's it's a marathon and it's not a sprint, it, it's it's the truth. Like I, I went from rubbing bruschettas for six months and then what topped it off for me was what our grill chef didn't turn up. And and at this point I'm, I've been cooking on grills with my dad for 15 years. Like it's not, yeah. it's not restaurant quality, but there's certain processes that, you know, like I can touch a piece of steak and be like, that's cooked on that's over. And that's this and that's that. So the head chef at Fiat Randall's dinosaurs wasn't beans, bro. The cuisson on the turkey dinosaur is very important. It has to be crispy on the outside. Soft, grey meat material in the middle. Yeah. Um, but my Fiat Randall, who, don't get me wrong, was an absolutely outstanding chef, top bloke, took me under his wing. His sous chef didn't really like me because he kind of, I think he thought I was cocky and I was this 15 boy. And we've all got to have an attitude problem if you come from 15. There was a, <laughs> every, almost every job that I had, people were like, oh, so what did you do to get 15? Or who did you stab? And it was just like, bro, <laughs> calm down, man. We're not all murderers, bro. Do you know what I mean? So he, we, we clashed heads and I didn't often, didn't often see eye to eye with him. And I, I, I didn't see eye, eye to eye with him because he made me rub tomatoes into bread. And I was yeah. like, I spent a whole year learning about sources reductions and emulsification and all these top-notch stuff and now i'm rubbing tomatoes into sourdough yeah um and it got it got six months in and he was like we want to take you on as apprentice um here's a 40p pay rise and i refused it um and i didn't decide to hand in my notice there and then but there was a night where our grill chef didn't turn up and he took a member of the front of house team that once worked at the Savoy, gave him a chef jacket and put him on grill, right? And the guy the, went the guy went down like a sack of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and a part of me a part of me is rubbing tomatoes on bread for the first time in my life, smiling, enjoying yeah. it. Like, ha ha, you fucking, <laughs> you fucking 
dickheads. Like, this guy's overcooked every piece of beautiful steak that you've brought in. Well done to you lot. Um, and then I decided to hand in my notice. And I, I, I don't I don't burn bridges and I don't hold things against people. But, but going through that and understanding that was a difficult process. But now I look back on it and I'd probably do the same to someone that I saw either had potential or thought they was a little bit cocky. Um, and was just like, okay, you, you want to be the top dog, but you have to start at the bottom. You have to peel vegetables. You have to rub tomatoes into bread. You have to do all these shit jobs before you can start doing the good stuff. Yeah. Um, so even and- though that like 15 was amazing, it sort of maybe was a, not a false representation of, of what it would be like, but it sort of gave you the, the look of what it is, uh, maybe a higher level than what you were going to be starting at basically. Yeah. But I don't, I don't blame Fifteen for that. And no, I no. I don't think that what they do, well, that whole process was wrong. I just feel that the industry, in that sense, is a little bit backwards. Yeah. And it's like you've gone into a new kitchen. Unless you're applying for a chef to party role or a sous chef role, you've got to do the bottoms job. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I didn't mind, but I thought this is how long is this going to keep me entertained for? Like, I struggled in, I struggled in school because I have the attention span of a goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like how like how many times can I cook a piece of tomato? Or yeah, like it just it gets on top. And how, like it was just I I hated conforming to the the hotel industry and being clean shaven and covering up who I was in order to please them and satisfy their customers. Um, not gonna lie, at the hotel I met Maradona and that was a big thing. Um, <laughs> he, he ordered he ordered a. a a sirloin, a free bone sirloin steak that we had to cut specifically for him there and then. Do you know what <laughs> it was I mean? worth Mar- it all for that, just to be there yeah, that night. <laughs> just to be like, just to see fat Maradona and be like, right, you let yourself go, bro. <laughs> From 86 to this, what have you done, man? <laughs> but I don't know, the, 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 the whole kitchen politics stuff was very new to me and it still goes on to this day and I think that's where a lot of the problems lie in our industry at the minute. Is that there's all these up-and-coming chefs that aren't willing to do the the bottom yeah dirty shit work and just be like i've seen four episodes of master chef i'm gonna be that guy and <laughs> yeah every, we were talking every... to tom griffiths like last week and he was saying that because he his sort of scene is more street food based he struggles yeah. to get any chefs at all to to work because they all think that it's like lower class sort of food they don't want to uh-huh. come they don't, they don't see it as as like what they, do you know what I mean? They're, they're all thinking that they're like the next Tom Kitchen or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, right. and then the, he's like, but we're I'm I'm struggling to get staff. Isn't Tom Griffiths flank? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I at flank. He's in Spitalfields, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I went to Dumpling Shack with my girlfriend, and then went to see Tom after at flank, and he cooked me a beautiful steak that yeah. somehow he'd made this dish that every element tasted like a, a Big Mac. And I was like, I was like, this food's like, this food's thought about just because you're in an open space and there's you're surrounded by tourists and there's little quirky shops that sell flowers and and yeah. clothes and stuff, like independent retailers doesn't mean that you're not going to eat a good meal here. Like if you look at guys at Dumpling Shack and Flank and guys even on the curb scene, there's a mm. lot of those there's a lot of those guys that do brilliant food and are not not appreciated, not looked at. Yeah, that's what you say. So when it comes to getting getting young chefs or getting chefs in, in his team, he said they'd struggle because they look down on what he's doing, but but not really actually having an idea of the processes or the, yeah. the actual everything that goes into it as such. I mean, 
food food snobbery is a massive thing in our day and age at the minute. Um, everyone wants to eat foie gras and pretty food and stuff, but don't know what to do or the processes behind it or how much work it takes. Some people um, don't yeah. even know how to feed their sourdough, do they? <laughs> uh, let him off as a flour shortage man. <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 exactly he's got my back that's that's proper, what's all about proper flour shortage at the minute i just come back from a, a supermarket and i couldn't get a bag of flour yeah there ain't there ain't any flour anywhere no you have to go to suppliers and buy like big packets <laughs> 20 kilos of flour yeah, you could feed a lot of starters with it, though, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you, could turn your, you could turn your starter into a main course with 20 yeah. kilo. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us a bit about Barbecue Sundays. Um, barbecue Sunday. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's a barbecue on a Sunday. It, it is a barbecue on a Sunday, but it was... It, it started to change when I was at 15. So when, when I started to see things in kitchens and was like, oh, wow, I could do this or I could do that, um, knowing that dad would be on the barbecue every Sunday, I'd, I'd call suppliers and just order bits of meat into the restaurant and take it home. And I'd slowly start to tweak things and learn my dad's marinades and have the whole Turkish Cypriot heritage and tradition with the whole like manly, I'm going to make barbecue stuff. But then I started to do like little chefy elements and try to take it in a, in a different direction, but still keep it what it was. Um, And I don't know. I think it was all about integrity because a part of me does barbecue Sunday in not remembrance because it sounds morbid, but like to, for, for heritage and like, this is how our people cooked and ate and, um, I just, it was something that I wanted to take the torch on. And then when my dad started to get fed up of me doing like jerk chicken and other bits and pieces that he didn't want to eat, um, we just, we used to get together with the boys. Like we'd drive up to a friend of mine's house. All the boys would bring a piece of me. I'd be the guy that cooked it with, um, smoke and drink. And it turned into like an occasion. And yeah, I just thought that everything that I cooked on barbecue Sunday, I'd use the hashtag barbecue Sunday, not ever thinking that people would think about barbecue Sunday and then think about me. Um, but slowly and surely, like social media, I wouldn't say blew it up, but when I, I'd like to think when people think about Hass, they know that I, I barbecue on a Sunday and sometimes I make pasta. It's like an um, institution now, though, barbecue Sunday. It's like, it is, it's, it it's is. your thing. I, I just, I, I, I never saw it coming. Do you know what I mean? And like, it just, it, it happened to fall into place. And sometimes I do a barbecue on a Tuesday and it feel weird. <laughs> like, this, this isn't Sunday. This isn't the right vibe. Like, where's all the people? But, I don't know. It's just some, something that my dad did that I wanted to take because yeah. my, my, my dad, like the Mediterraneans in general and, and, and um, over that side, are just they're very integral people. They're very family-based and family-orientated. And my dad always said to us, when dinner was on the table, you had to be there. And the idea of possibly the only time that I spent with my dad that I enjoyed or got on, got on with him. We have very different views on life. Was yeah. over, over charcoal, while bits of meat smoked and ra- and fat rendered out. Do you know what I mean? That was the only time that we saw eye to eye. And I, I think a part of me does it one to please my dad, and two to to take something from my dad that I'd know that I'd pass down to the next generation, or like to my my son or to my friend's daughter or whatever, yeah. and try to bring that vibe to people and and show them that food isn't just about 
pleasing yourself. It's about the the moments you spend with people and the time yeah. you have together, and that those little bits are just they're, they're really important, man. Yeah. I think it's one of the fundamentals yes. of fire in general, or barbecue, or whatever it is that it brings people together. Like it's it's that element of cooking for people, mm. and it's the same with food in general. But I mean, people gather around fires. People come and people come to a barbecue. You sit outside, and it's a it's yeah. an event. It's more than just a a dinner or something. It's it's like an event. It's a thing. If you know what I mean. So I, so yeah. I went to Turkey a couple of years back with two of my closest friends that I went to school with and just to drink Raki, which is like that Uzo drink that they dilute with water and it turns yeah. like Mickey. And the, the eating etiquette out there is Raki and, and grilled or fried fish, right? And there's there's certain rules when drinking Raki. You're not allowed to talk about politics. You're not allowed to talk about wife troubles. You're not allowed to... There's nothing... You could talk about anything else except for those two things. And I feel like it's the same with barbecue. Like barbecue, you can all get together and you can bitch about your girlfriends, right? If your girlfriends aren't there. But I, I, I do feel like it's an open opportunity for people to sit together and just conversate. Like it's yeah. different when, when mum's making shepherd's pie. Like you can't really talk much, can you? Like she's mashing potatoes, she's cooking her base out. Do you know what I mean? But when... When it's like slowly ticking over, you're waiting for your charcoal to come down to temperature. You get you get that opportunity to catch up with people, crack a beer, do whatever you want, and have that that almost that social gathering point. Yeah, like, no, like, definitely. Like, like no matter what, like in real life, we got together. You came to mind. We had barbecue Sunday. There'd be conversation all the time. And was that an invitation? Yeah, of course it is. Listen, I'm trying to I'm, 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 I'm trying to organise a, a Donna Kebab block party when this all finishes. Nice. Um, I say trying to organise it. I've got no fucking money, but like, I'm, try, <laughs> I'm trying to make it happen without getting locked down. The, only, the problem is that where I live in, in Tottenham slash Edmonton is a very... It's just a shithole, man. And, it's, and, and as soon as police see groups of boys together, it's like lockdown. They're selling drugs. And it's just like, no, bro, we're trying to feed the community and whatever. Um, but I just, I'd, I'd love to, to just bring everyone together with a barbecue. And I, I don't know. I, I think some people hear stuff like that and, and agree with it. And I also think that some people just don't get it. Some people don't get how food can bring people together. Like I, I did, um, I was talking to someone recently and I was saying to them, if you put two people from clashing backgrounds over some good food, whether it be barbecue or not, there's common ground for you to talk about. And for a split second, you almost forget that you hate each other and there's something that you're both enjoying that you can be like, oh, this is delicious. And the other person will be like, you know what? You're a prick. But yeah, it is nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like probably why me and Dan are like, we're probably <laughs> friends. I don't know. Yeah, just because we barbecue so much that like, we haven't realised we don't actually like each other. Yeah. <laughs> shut up and eat the ribs, man. Just shut up and eat the ribs. <laughs> it only really comes out on the podcast and we realise afterwards, like, I, I can see why I don't really speak to you that much. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you're right. It's that's what it's all about. Like, the, there's that phrase that a lot of people use on social media: "grill and chill." And yeah. I think that's like the perfect words to use for it, really, isn't it? Mm -hmm. it makes um, sense. Yeah, it's funny. You have the the barbecue Sundays being your things. Me and Dan used to have barbecue Mondays, yeah. <laughs> but it was because of barbecue Sunday was leftover food that we would eat on barbecue Mondays. <laughs> Uh, that's a, a good shot, man. Barbecue leftovers are a great thing, yeah. man. Yeah, we used to work together, so it was like we'd bring our Sunday leftovers, both of us, <laughs> from our, our home family barbecues. But that's barbecue it. Sunday in. And you, two hate, 
you two hate each other and still manage to bring each other leftovers, bro. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it bring, food brings everyone together, man. You know, it was only so I could show him how good mine was compared to his. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just stood there both like Greg Wallace taking yeah. each other's food. Licking yeah, not what bad. Could be like. <laughs> licking the back of each other's spoons, telling them it needs more salt when yeah. really, you know, it's absolutely delicious. <laughs> oh, I never thought that. With his, it's never delicious. But anyway, let's just... <laughs> that's cool. Uh, it's been it's been really great to chat to you. We've come to like our half hour point now, so it's a great time to stop. But I'd I'd love to get you back on in the future to talk even more. I think we could actually maybe talk about food and some some recipes and some ideas around what we could cook and. Yeah, we've we've been asking a few people at the end of each podcast for their like lockdown advice to people. Like, what would you say? What's the like top things you could tell people to do with their time now that they're stuck at home in lockdown? Oh, don't buy a gas barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) It's number one, number one rule. Number one rule: don't buy a gas barbecue. Um, I don't know, man. I've I've spent a lot of days researching recipes cooking food that I want to eat. Um, and I'd say the, I'd say the biggest thing that you have to do at this time is check in on your people. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't, I don't want to start talking about mental health and stuff, but, um, I feel that guys in our age group don't really talk about things too often. And if you can reach out a hand, not even, not just guys, guys and girls. Um, but statistically speaking, men speak less about their problems and stuff like that. But if you can reach out and check in on your peoples or even drop food care packages or whatever. Um, virtual barbecue, I think, is what barbecue. we need. Sit down together, chat. Yeah. That's what it's about, bringing people together when, if I, when we're split apart. If I knew that we had a half an hour limit, I would have spoke more about food, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we, don't, we normally tell people at the beginning we're, uh, we're going to record for half an hour, but with you, we're just like... Yeah, let's crack on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been great, mate. We've really enjoyed it. Uh, That's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me, boys. No worries. Oh, on the note of, uh, just, just before mm. you do go, is when you, when, oh, if you tell people where they can find you, first of all, and then I'll say what I was going to say, like social media or whatever. Well, social media is at Big Hass with three underscores. Um, yeah. And that's, yeah, yeah. So if you head, if you head to, like, um, particularly Instagram is where, but I see uh, everything you're doing and like there's so many like, I don't know, like cook along recipes that breaks it down. It's simple, great food and just really yeah. shows you how to nail things. And I, I absolutely love it, to be honest. It's some cracking things on there and just draw over the, the weekly posts of just some amazing just food. Yeah. So, yeah, crack I saw on. One, the other day I saw one of your posts and it was like five hot dogs or something and they just were like yeah, yeah, all yeah. covered in like the most amazing stuff ever. I was like... I haven't felt like eating a hot dog for quite a while, but that, that's changed my mind that, now. <laughs> that was that was a brand a brand messaged me and was just like unearthed to make really delicious things, um, mm. and they were like, "Would you like to do something with our bratwurst?" And I was like, "What else am I going to do with a bratwurst but a hot dog? And how can I make it better?" And it's just like, "Oh yeah, I'll just do this to it and that to it," um, and it got really good feedback. Mm. But that's I think what, what you what you've touched on about the step by steps and the simplicity of my Instagram, I think I need to do more of that stuff with barbecue. Like, yeah, we'd love it. I, I mean, that thing that... you just did for Metopia was, was yeah. wicked. I mean, 
We didn't even but, talk about that. I mean, can we? Let's just extend this. Let's just keep going a little bit longer. So right, like, we, we might have to like cut some of this stuff earlier, so it might reduce it down. <laughs> and it... Cut the stuff where I don't remember the head chef's name, man. Yeah. Fuck all of that bit off. Yeah, that, was, that, that gains us two minutes back. So carry on. <laughs> yeah. So so Metopia obviously, due to all this, is not happening right now. So they've they've got some some of the people that would be there to do some cooks, and 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 obviously you are one of them, and you did a. Uh, Tenor and George, who did a, a pork T-bone, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, basically, it was like a big cook along. Like, and I saw like people. It's just crazy, really, seeing the people everywhere posting stuff and tagging you in it. And it's just like the the people that are, like I follow you, but also the people that I other follow are also doing these things and cooking it and sharing it. And mm. it was just wicked to see. And uh, when we talk people through that, just that. I mean, again, like you said, you want to do more of these, but. How about we just talk about what you did a little bit from Let Me Tobia Cook? Yeah. Um, so I was I spent a long time dreaming about getting into Metopia, right? And last year was the first time that I got in and I managed to get in with Rav Gill, who runs Counter Talk, who a very good friend of mine, dope pastry chef, just released her book. But she was like, they don't want me to do a dessert. And the first person I thought of was was you. So I managed to get into Metopia and I I fell in love with the idea of doing Metopia every year, all the time. Um, yeah. And then when Molly, who runs Metopia, messaged me and she was like, "We're not going to be able to do Metopia this year." I was absolutely gutted, but she was like, "We're thinking about doing a live stream or bits, bit by bit, showing people how to cook stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, of course, I'm down." And for me, I fucking love, I love being in front of camera. Like, and I, I realised that doing the video with Jamie Oliver's team. Um, because obviously for me, what what I want to do, what the end goal is, to get on telly and do like a travel show and I just show people that you don't have to have an arga to cook delicious food and you can be like from a low working class background. But anyway, back right. to me, Tokyo. Yeah. Um, um, Signed. <laughs> no, and then obviously Turner and George, bad boy, bad boy meat supplier, yeah. um, and it's probably one of the best pork chops I've ever cooked and. Molly was like, keep it sweet and keep it simple. And I was like, those, those are the, that's the way that I cook anyway. So when she said to me, what meat do you want? I was like, fuck it, pork chop. Um, and I often get, I get backlash for having a name like Hassan and cooking pork and I can't stand it. But I eat pork, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I ate bacon today. Um, yeah, I'm a Shaheen and I'm the same. So it's like- yeah, of course. <laughs> get it inside you, bruv. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I guess the, the, the idea behind Metopia falls back into what we're talking about is that people can get together and you can meet an absolute stranger at Metopia and have a decent conversation about something or um, eat someone's food and get together. But I, I quite like, I think it's because I grew up watching cooking shows that I find being behind camera exciting. Yeah. Um, and just being able to, number one, say what I want. Like I, The whole conforming thing at hotels is I couldn't swear and I couldn't do stuff. Where Metopia were like, we're going to send you food. Do whatever the fuck you want with it. We trust you. And I was just like, yeah, cool. <laughs> so I cooked a pork chop and I was like, people were like to see how to cook a pork chop. And then I went back to like the Italian roots that my career has been, mostly Italian. And charred peppers, everyone can get their head around. Everyone can get anchovies. And I didn't want to do a dish that people would be like, I can't get this during quarantine. Yeah. Um, and it was it was definitely something that i'd eat I, I find that when i'm asked to do something that's out of my comfort zone i start to panic and i'm like oh can i do this um do i really want to do this but we're with me topia they were just like yeah go on smash it out do what you want and i, I just fucking really enjoyed it man yeah following that i saw that the most decent cooked 
pork I've, I've seen in a long time. After people have been following the advice of following the cook and cooked along, I literally saw over the next like day or so, I saw the the a collective of the best cooked pork I've seen in a, in a long time. People not overcooking it by miles and just dry pork. It was just like perfect, and it was great to see that people actually just. Uh, just following it along and cooking along and, and just taking on the advice. And it was just, again, it just goes back to all the other dishes that I see, like I see you cooking and you have a load of them on your page, pinned, pinned to your page on Instagram. Yeah. It's just like simple, easy to follow things that you, you, you would think that are so technical, or they are technical anyway, but it's just like they're just broken down into easy to follow steps and it's just like brilliant. Like realistically, you could write, a, you know, there's that, book series that's for dummies like maths for dummies or like science for dummies mm. you could do the same with barbecue like if you if you know how to light a fire and know how to control your heat temperature and you think about the processes so like you don't want to do such an oily marinade just in case it goes up in flames when it's on the barbecue like you, there's there's so many little steps that you can show people that make cooking over fire a lot easier that i think a lot of people are scared of creating a bark on the outside and then having raw sausages. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. with, with the right, I, I guess it's due to repetition. If, if you get into it, like we, we all at some point between us three were like, fuck barbecues, my thing. And this is what I want to do. And I want to become a master. It, and I want to know how to do this. And I want to tap into different cultures and, and learn different recipes. But once you've built that foundation of lighting fires, kept um, controlling your temperature, knowing when things are cooked, um, looking at different heat sources, using coal, using wood. The world's your oyster after that, bro. Like when I went to Sri Lanka, they were cooking over coconut shells and I, and I was gobsmacked. Like I, was, it was, I, I couldn't think that these people use what the earth's giving them and they'll take the coconut flesh out, make coconut milk and then use the shells as barbecue. And the flavor was completely different. Yeah. And, uh, and smoking was a big thing, what, four or five years ago when pulled pork was everywhere. Um, and I yeah. think I think barbecue just slowly crept up and was like, I'm, people are going to start doing this and making projects. And, and what I find th the best thing about Instagram is that an architect can look at your food and be like, I'm going to recreate that and not know that they've got the talent or not know that they can do that. But someone's given, the, given them the lowdown and boosted their confidence in order to buy a pork chop or cook something under, or even like I, we're taught in restaurants not to use probes, depending on what restaurant you work in, right? Because yeah, you can rely on a probe, but if your probe breaks down and you're in the middle of service and you can't cook a meat the way it needs to go out, it's game over for you. So I, I made sure that in the video, I was like, put your probe in. And I said to people, this is at 30 degrees, take your probe out and feel it. And then take it to 35, feel it, take it to 40, feel it. And those are the little steps that make you a better cook. Yeah, when, learn when those fundamentals are what makes a difference. Of course, when those things become second nature and, and you can touch, touch a steak and be like, yeah, cool, it's done. But what, what people forget is that as a chef, we do this repetitively. Like There's nights where mm. I can cook 40 steaks in a night. And each one I ate a little bit of the end off, so people don't know. So, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I could hand on heart tell you every steak I've cooked in my life, I've eaten a piece of it. Because there's a part of me that's like, I've done this steak, <laughs> I, I deserve a piece of this steak. Yeah. I mean, so 
I think if you can sure it's an eight ounces. This is seven ounces. An ounce, <laughs> at least an ounce bite. It's <laughs> just remind me to never order four. steak at a restaurant you work in. <laughs> uh, I have to check if it's nice, bro. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, Chef's I've approval. Justice. Of course. And I don't know, man. I just, I, I, I just, I just, I'd love for everyone to get their barbecues out and just have a go, bro. And if you, like, we can't sit here and be like, we've never royally fucked a piece of meat. Like, I've fucked so many steaks in my time, bro. Like, I've burnt chickens, I've overcooked things, and it's it's all a part of learning, isn't it? It's That's like, what Ben knows. He's never learned. That's his <laughs> problem. It's like yeah, learning to drive a car. Sometimes you stall, sometimes you, you miss a gear. Do you know what I mean? It's, it happens. you just got to keep pushing through. Yeah, no, definitely. And if you do write that barbecue for dummies book, can you send one copy to Ben and uh, <laughs> we can maybe get him out of this, this slump that he's in? I'd love to write a book, but I reckon the first book, I'd, I don't know, man. Sometimes I get torn between pasta and barbecue, bro. And Just do both. Do yeah, a, but do I a hybrid. I I don't want to be a <laughs> pony. Like I've got to start looking at desserts and stuff. And do ones even like where you like can like... read it one way, and then you have to flip it over and read it back the other way. To... <laughs> How to make a panna cotta? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is the end of the podcast, but like even just touching on the pasta thing is like the the basics emulsification of the sauce is like I have really learned from watching your stories, and it has completely flipped and changed my pasta game like one million trillion percent like my whole pasta game has changed from mm. just learning that one technique from from watching you doing it on your page and like and that's that's the thing is like you're saying the fundamentals and stuff of, of all these different things is is enough to make a huge difference yeah but i mean there's also you have to you have to share that bro do you know what i mean like there's yeah there's 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 I don't know of any chefs, but there's people out there that keep secret recipes and stuff, right? And I, and as you as like a unique selling point, and like I know Bao make their fried chicken behind closed doors, and I love their fried chicken. I'd love to learn how to make it. I feel that with stuff like barbecue and showing people the basics of pasta, like like you said, the the possibilities after that are endless. Like you could take that wherever you wanted to because you've learned. For me, what I feel is the fundamental about pasta is emulsification and learning yeah. how sauces cling onto pasta and how different pasta shapes are designed for different sauces. If someone doesn't tell you that, you're never going to fucking know, bro. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Someone, someone has to take take you under their wing and be like, this is garganelli and you're going to make a ragu of it because it's got little slits in it where the sauce can carry. And it's like, oh, the, the Italians are onto something. Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> I, I like that stuff. I like the heritage yeah the background behind food and how food was developed in order to to hold sources or make things stabilize or bring things together i love that shit about cooking man yeah no that, that is i mean you that is it that is what it's all about but i am gonna have to step in and stop because ben's gonna tell me off uh we could just keep going that's the problem and... isn't it? we just keep going yeah yeah, going, yeah, yeah. Going. That's it. it's not that's really it. a problem as long as people are still listening i'm fine but <laughs> it's uh... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that everyone's been captivated to the end of this because it's been yeah, yeah. a really great podcast. I've enjoyed it. I just feel like I've been chatting shit for 40 minutes, man. That, and that, that's what <laughs> makes Welcome the best podcast. <laughs> that's our bio on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Barbecue and shit. <laughs> and Dan's just shit barbecue. <laughs> Cool. Right. Yeah, thanks very much, mate. So oh, check him out on, on going onto Instagram, Big underscore underscore underscore. 
Uh, if you just type Big Hass, he comes up, so you don't have to go any further. So you can't miss him. <laughs> yeah, can't miss me at all. Boys, thanks thanks very much for having me. No man. worries. Thanks, no worries. Nice. thanks for coming on. Speak to you soon. Thank when, you. when this is done, Donna party. Yes. Yes. We'll be there. Oh, we're there. Done. Deal. All right, boys. Thank you. Speak to you soon. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Thank you.